Welcome to another episode of The Impolite Psychologist. So I am not a couples therapist. This is not a passion of mine, not something I wanted to do when I got into private practice, not something I was ever looking forward to, and yet it's something that I have ended up doing over and over again because I will meet with a new client and they will tell me what's going on with them and they will come in and they will say, I really need to work on myself. And then they proceed to tell me all the terrible things about their partner that they don't like and all the trouble they have with their partner. And then we sort of realize that it's not about fixing you, it's about fixing you and your partner's relationship. And so by default, I end up becoming the couple's therapist. And often I try to encourage people to go see somebody else who enjoys being a couple's therapist. And they will say, well, I met with you and I like you and I don't want to switch to anybody else. And thus I become the couple's therapist. Now, one of the things about being a couple's therapist that I have not understood is why people who are dating and haven't been dating for very long want to come in and do couples therapy. Now I can understand if you have been with your partner for a number of years and either you have kids together and or your families are completely intertwined because there's a long history there. I understand that you might want to do whatever it takes to keep you two together as a couple. What I don't understand is when people have been dating for say six months and they find out that either they have nothing in common with their partner or they have arguments over and over and over again, or they have completely different values and somehow they want to save the relationship. And I really don't get that because why bother? I mean, cut your losses, get out. You've dated the wrong person. Don't marry the wrong person. Don't partner up for life with the wrong person. Just leave, break up, find the right person. Stop coming and trying to fix it. You know, sometimes it's not necessary to fix it. So that occasionally happens. Obviously, I don't bother with people in this situation. I just tell them, break it off. Why bother? And so I'm not a fan of trying to fix things that are seriously broken. And that's another reason I don't typically enjoy doing couples therapy is because by the time two people decide that things are so bad that they're willing to go to couples therapy, the whole thing is already dead. I mean, it's over. And unless I had a magic wand, there is no way I can save what is left of a very broken relationship. And sometimes people come in because they want a third person to call it. 
They want someone to say, yep, you're right. It's terrible. You guys should break up. Or they want you to say, oh, you're crazy. You guys are in love. You should stay together. But mostly it's because people second guess themselves that breaking up is very hard to do and very taxing. And they're hoping that some way, somehow they are wrong about wanting to break things off. Now, generally, I don't do the couples therapy thing, or at least I try not to. But occasionally, I will be meeting with somebody individually, and they will say, I really need to bring my spouse or partner in because I want you to explain this thing to them. Or I want them to understand this or that about me and I don't feel like I can tell them. And so that's fine. I bring in whoever the spouse or partner is and we kind of talk about what's going on. What's funny about this from my perspective is most of the time I've been meeting with somebody for a while before we decide to sort of bring in the partner or the spouse. And all I have is one perspective on who this person is. And sometimes it's, he's the bad guy, or or she treats me so badly, or whatever it is that is this one-sided sort of jaded point of view. And then what happens is that I have a picture in my mind of who I think this spouse or partner is. And the person comes in and they look completely differently than I expected them to look. And they act completely differently than I expected them to act. And it's weird too, because I might've heard terrible stories about whoever the partner is They come into the therapy room and everybody's holding hands and kissing and hugging and loving on one another. And it's just weird because I had a totally different picture in my mind. And so that's kind of interesting. But generally, when we're talking about people breaking up, There are so many different reasons and ways that people break up. Now, I have had people come in who came in because they were blindsided by a breakup. You know, it's like here they were living their life and one day their spouse asked for a divorce or their partner just moved out and they were perfectly happy. They didn't see it coming. It felt like it was out of nowhere. And that is really, really hard because in a way, unless we do some real serious work, there's going to be a belief that this could happen at any time with a future relationship until you really dig down deep and understand maybe what you didn't see then you will continue to be blindsided. 
And of course, we're all familiar with just sort of one person getting sick of the other person's habits or personality and breaking it off. And that's often mutual and not a big deal. Now, I think what happens a lot of times too, there are these situations where maybe the breakup wasn't a complete surprise, but the behavior that gets found out following the breakup is the thing that becomes surprising. Like maybe you find out that your partner had a bunch of credit cards that you didn't know about or a porn collection or or your partner says things to your face or says things to other people that you would never imagine that they would ever say about you and you can't believe it. And there's a great scene out of When Harry Met Sally where Billy Crystal's character is sort of dealing with the breakup of his marriage. And one of the things that his wife tells him as she's walking out the door is, I don't love you, and I don't know if I've ever been in love with you or loved you, something like that. And to imagine that being said to you after years and years of a marriage is just so shocking and surprising. And of course, it's shocking to find out that your spouse or partner was carrying on with some type of affair. I have even had people come into my office who not only found out that their partner was having an affair, but the partner was having an affair with a friend of theirs. And so not only do they lose their partner, but they also end up losing their friend. And that's awful. And another one that's kind of interesting is that over time, it's not necessarily because of me or my work with somebody, but sometimes a person will be, I don't know, reading a book, a self-help book. And somehow in the process of reading this self-help book, they recognize that their spouse or partner has all along been a narcissist. And then this creates a tailspin because then it becomes a thing about, well, can I go forward with my partner being a narcissist? Or or can narcissism be fixed? Or is narcissism really that bad? And when people kind of come to therapy and read their books and really truly understand the nature of narcissism, then they realize that they have been nothing more than a tool in their partner's life. That the relationship that they thought they had with the person doesn't actually exist And the person that they had a relationship with doesn't actually exist. And that becomes very interesting in therapy because we have to mourn the loss of 
the person that you thought your spouse or partner was. So you may have thought that your partner was caring and giving and loving and thoughtful, but now you realize all of those things were done to get something in return or to feed their ego or to create a perception. It wasn't out of the kindness of their heart. And so then you have to mourn this kind person who doesn't actually exist. It's like the kind person died or the thoughtful person died and you're never going to get them back. And that becomes a big part of therapy following breakups. Now, I think one of the things that happens, particularly for people who are married, is that when a marriage breaks up, one of the things that becomes so hard is that friends take sides. And everybody says that they're not going to take sides, that they're going to be friends with both of you, or they're just going to be friends with you. And then it turns out that's not how it plays out, that they end up taking the spouse's side. Or you find out that they've been spending time with your ex and they didn't share that with you because they didn't want to hurt your feelings. But then you start to wonder, did your friend take your ex's side? Or does your friend want a relationship with your ex and not with you? And so this becomes shocking. And then when it becomes clear that the people who you thought were on your side turn out to not be on your side, then you have to mourn the loss of your friends. And so breakups are so hard and become such a huge topic of therapy. And then even worse is for those of you out there who are the people pleasers. Because when people pleasers get dumped. They believe that they are fully responsible for the mood or the troubles of the ex. And the idea is that you might second guess yourself as a people pleaser. Like if I had just done this differently, if I had just said this one thing, or if I had just done that one thing, or if I had skipped work that day and supported my partner when they did X, Y, or Z, that would have made all the difference in the world. And so I think even relationships are hard, being in a relationship for a people pleaser, but particularly when a relationship is beginning to end and unravel and and the other person in the relationship is very unhappy, the people pleasers are working overtime to try to do whatever it takes to get their partner to feel happy and stay with them. And the truth is, is that sometimes it doesn't have anything to do with you. It has to do with either you being fundamentally mismatched or that 
they need something different than what you can possibly give. Or they need somebody more dysfunctional than you are. And so it's not about what you have done or haven't done. It just is. And there's no way to fix it. Now, there are other people who have emotional difficulties and their self-esteem is dependent upon the other person. So in this scenario, it's not about what you should or shouldn't have done for your partner, but to take it a step further, it's my partner's not happy right now and therefore I too am not happy. My life feels awful when my partner is feeling awful. And then it goes the other way too. When my partner is happy, I am good. Life is good. Everything's good psychologically for me too. And so what ends up happening is as your partner's mood changes in one direction or another, your emotions and your self-esteem accompany that. And what's really hard about that is a person's mood is going to change a lot during the course of even one day. And so if your emotions change along with somebody else's and your self-esteem changes along with somebody else's, then your life is a roller coaster for the most part. And so that would be a good case for going to therapy and taking care of it before you get into your next relationship and your next relationship becomes about somebody else's mood. This is the thing about healthy people. Healthy people can endure breakups. And I'm specifically talking about psychologically healthy people. In fact, psychologically healthy people can recognize that if you are if you are mismatched and you are with the wrong person, a breakup makes sense. And if you are psychologically healthy and the person you are with is in a bad place in their life. Now you as a healthy person can encourage them to work on themselves and get some help. And if your partner is invested in also being psychologically healthy, they will get the help and they will get better. But if you're with somebody and you're a psychologically healthy person and they're in a bad place and they refuse help and they make your life incredibly unhappy by taking all their crap out on you, then as a psychologically healthy person, you're going to have to break up with them. And maybe one day, if your partner can get the help and get to a psychologically healthy place, then you can come back together. 
But if your partner is a toxic person who never plans on working on themselves, then you have no choice but to break up because you have to preserve your own psychological health and do what is best for you to maintain that psychological health. And so a person with good self-esteem and who is psychologically healthy is able to handle a breakup no matter what because their self-esteem doesn't change with the breakup. They don't blame themselves or feel like a bad person or feel like they haven't done enough. They realize that the situation was not right and that they deserve better and that they deserve to be happy and live a happy life with a happy, psychologically healthy partner. Now, that doesn't mean that if you're psychologically healthy, you only pair up with somebody who's got it all together all the time. That's not it. It means that you can endure the good times and the bad times together because you're both working on yourselves and dealing with whatever ups and downs life gives you. And if you are in a not great place, as will happen in life, things happen. You can do everything you can to make sure that things are happy and healthy, but crap happens. People get in car accidents, lose jobs, people die. Things happen. And you can't predict it and you can't stop it from happening. But if these types of things do occur and you find yourself down or you find your partner down during these moments, recognize it, name it, own it, and do the best you can to get through in the healthiest way possible. Be well, and thank you for listening.